Hi, this is Jim Sheriff, and welcome to Contrary Evidence. This week, we're going to look at taxation through several lenses. We will evaluate taxes from a fairness point of view. Many politicians like to say that the rich need to pay their fair share, but what exactly does that mean? We will look at taxes from a yield point of view. How much of the intended revenue can be captured? Or put another way, how much can taxpayers avoid? Next, we will look at taxation and its impact on economic growth. Virtually all models of taxation slow economic growth, but some are worse than others. Lastly, we will dive into taxation from a complexity, transparency, and efficiency point of view. Taxes that require lots of government and private resources to ensure compliance carry a high overhead cost. The four types of taxes we will evaluate are personal income taxes, corporate income, capital gains, and estate tax. We will focus on personal income and corporate taxes this week and tackle capital gains and state taxes next week. We will include a quick view of wealth taxes as we analyze inheritance tax. Before evaluating these four types of taxes, let's dive deeper into the four viewpoints that we will use to analyze taxes. First, what do we mean by tax fairness? There is clearly not a consensus on this question, but the term is often used with the complaint that the rich need to pay their fair share. In order to be fair, we have historically built tax models that are progressive. As individual incomes and wealth rises, we expect tax rates to increase. Our assumption is that progressive taxes lead to more equal pain across income levels. Note our current income tax system is progressive. However, our payroll tax system is very regressive as the rates are the same for all income levels and there's a cap on the amount of income that is subject to FICA. So low income taxpayers effectively pay a higher payroll tax than high income taxpayers. Most of us believe that taxes should not be onerous or punitive. We should not tax at such a high rate that the government is effectively confiscating assets from taxpayers. I believe that a good benchmark is the 50% level. Once the government takes more than half of someone's income, the tax has become onerous in my opinion. One of the most misunderstood and misrepresented aspects of taxation is yield. Most tax models that project revenue are static. They assume that people will not change their behavior as a result of changes in the tax rates. Arthur Laffer is a controversial economist who created something called the Laffer Curve, which shows how increased tax rates at some point lead to decreased tax revenue. Clearly, we would never want tax rates to go beyond the point for maximum yield. That would effectively be taxation as punishment, not as a means of collecting revenue. Laffer's model is pretty intuitive, but not predictive. He really does not offer any mathematical evidence to determine the maximum tax rates before revenue starts to decline. To illustrate the basics behind his premise, imagine that the maximum tax rate was 99%. Would anybody work or invest if they could only keep 1% of their income? 
Taxpayers, including both individuals and corporations, will go to extraordinary lengths to avoid taxes. The higher the tax rate, the more extreme the effort to avoid the taxes. Taxpayers can move assets offshore, defer income to future years, and artificially increase deductible expenses. Taxpayers can also choose to work and invest less if they feel that the tax rates are too high. To understand how taxes impact economic growth, we should consider three angles. First, does the tax financially constrain a business from maximizing growth and consequently employment? Does it affect investment decisions by both individuals and corporations that are necessary to support economic growth? Lastly, does the tax rate drive individuals to spend less, which by itself reduces economic growth? Lastly, let's consider the complexity and efficiency of the tax. To understand the range of complexity, please consider two extremes on the complexity continuum. One of the simplest taxes we have is the FICA, or Social Security Tax. This tax is applied evenly to all wages up to $142,800. Compliance happens when payroll checks are issued and the rules are very easy to understand. On the other extreme would be the proposed wealth tax. This would require wealthy individuals to spend hundreds of thousands and in some cases millions of dollars each year estimating the value of their non-liquid assets. As an example, estimating the value of a privately held business is very complex and prone to considerable subjectivity. On the government side, asset valuation resources would be needed to ensure that the declared values were accurate. This same complexity issue would apply to the proposal to tax unrealized capital gains. An example of unrealized capital gains would be the increased value of a rental property that is not sold. The cost of compliance for this type of tax would be very burdensome. Politicians often try to hide taxes to make it seem like the tax rates are lower. Examples of this include the alternative minimum tax and the Medicare surtax on income over certain thresholds. These tax provisions increase the complexity of tax planning and preparation and obfuscate the true tax rates. Now let's look at the first two types of taxes and consider them through these lenses. A pure income tax with no deductions and no tax credits that has progressive rates would certainly simplify our tax system. The system gets complex and often less fair when special interest groups petition for special income deductions or even tax credits. Our income tax system rewards home ownership but punishes renters. We allow deduction of medical insurance premiums that are paid through an employer, but we punish those that obtain their medical insurance directly. There are countless examples illustrating how the tax code is used to try to drive very specific behavior. As long as we allow for these special allowances, we distort the system and make it inherently less fair. We also make it far more complex and expensive to comply. How progressive is our income tax system? 
People in the top 20% of income levels capture 53% of all income earned and pay 68% of the total tax bill. People in the bottom 20% only capture 4% of the total income, but they also only pay 1% of the taxes. People in the middle 20% capture 14% of the total income and pay 10% of the taxes. Putting aside capital gains taxes, which we will discuss later, our system is definitely progressive. The primary issue with the progressiveness of our income tax system is our payroll tax system. If we made the payroll tax progressive as well, we would have a system that was consistently progressive. Now, are our income tax rates onerous? The true top marginal income tax rate for a taxpayer in California is currently 54.1%. For a taxpayer in Texas, the top marginal rate is 40.8%. Tax rates in the other 48 states are somewhere between these two rates. Now, these taxpayers pay a lot of other taxes that are not included in the rates discussed. But using the 50% income tax threshold, our income tax system is not particularly onerous. However, it's very close. With our current tax rates, we are very likely below the peak of the Laffer curve. In other words, if we lowered income tax rates, we would likely see lower tax revenue. The rates are high enough that people go to a great effort to report less income and more deductions and credits. People that own their own businesses or work in certain professions have unfair advantages for reducing income, timing income, or even increasing deductions as compared to people that work for corporations or the government. Lastly, do our income tax rates blunt economic growth? Would lower taxes across all income levels lead to more growth? Lower tax rates would give citizens more money to either spend or invest. Both activities drive economic growth. In reality, tax cuts for the bottom 80% of the income earners would likely lead to increased spending. Tax cuts for the top 20% would likely lead to more investment. My takeaways on personal income tax rates can be summed up with three conclusions. First, we have some small room for increasing the maximum tax rate before they get onerous. Returning to the maximum rate of 39.2% established during the Obama era seems unlikely to cause significant negative impact on economic growth. My second conclusion is we should restructure our payroll tax system and make it progressive. This would allow us to lower payroll taxes for 60 to 70% of workers or raise more tax revenue to strengthen Social Security and Medicare. Third, we should fully commit to a simpler system with virtually no deductions or special tax credits. This would lower the cost of compliance for taxpayers and it would lower the IRS's collection costs. Eliminating special deductions and credits would inherently make the system more fair. Politicians determine our tax system and they tend to push tax policies that are popular with their key constituents and which help them get reelected versus focusing on policies that drive economic growth, fairness, or simplicity.
most Americans form conclusions on the appropriateness of changes to our tax system based simply on how these changes impact their family. Most people are not bothered if someone else's taxes go up, but they are unhappy if their taxes rise. The next type of tax to discuss is the corporate income tax. To understand the impact of corporate taxes, we need to start by examining how our capital markets work. Investors are gamblers. They make investments knowing that those investments carry risks. When they bet on a company, they estimate that the likely stock appreciation and stock dividends will yield a return that is sufficiently high to compensate for the risk they face of losing some or all of the investment. When corporate tax rates go up, investors need to plan for a lower return on their investments, and that generally leads to lower stock prices. There is an absolute correlation between corporate tax rates and stock valuations. Reduced stock prices with lower dividends lower the incomes of investors. That reduced income results in some combination of less spending and less investing. There is a cascading impact of this income reduction that does ultimately slow the economy and lessen labor demand, resulting in fewer jobs and slower wage growth. The reduced income for the corporation has some other ripple effects. Without getting too much in the weeds, reduced after-tax earnings result in reduced investment in R&D, plants, and equipment. Those reduced investments slow the growth of the corporation and ultimately lead to less labor demand and fewer new jobs. With less demand for labor, wages tend to stagnate. Corporate taxes for global companies are very complex. Corporations have lots of tools to use to lower their income in high-tax countries. Companies like Facebook and Google place the ownership of their intellectual property in low-tax countries and game the system. Large corporations can afford scores of tax experts that help them reduce their taxes to an absolute minimum. Small corporations often lack adequate tax experts and tend to pay a higher effective tax rate. There is a fairness issue with our corporate tax system. The large disparities in actual effective tax rates across industries and companies is a pretty clear indication that our current system is not particularly fair. Biden is pushing for a global minimum tax that would lower the incentives for gaming the system and leveraging the ultra-low tax rates in some countries. Now note, in a prior podcast about Biden's infrastructure plan, I argued that we could afford a small increase in the corporate tax rate. I do think that corporations will benefit greatly from improved infrastructure, and that could offset some of the negative economic impacts of higher taxes. Overall, I conclude that raising corporate tax rates to 25% and implementing a minimum global tax rate is the appropriate course of action. These modest changes will have a minimum impact on economic growth, but will go a long ways towards a more equitable system. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the newest episodes. Have a good week and talk to you soon.